The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. We're going to especially be focusing in on verses 3 to 8. So I want to invite you to open up your bulletins there to page 8. And, and please follow along there as we're going to be looking hard at, um, at these verses here, here together. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. I'm just going to be straightforward with you this morning. I think New Yorkers like it that way. For us, Amos is a minor book and with a minor message, and he's often very misunderstood. And so I'm not going to blame just you for that. I think I'm responsible mostly for our lack of knowledge about Amos. I had to go back and look. I had to go back and look, and what I discovered is that in my nine years of ministry here, I have never once preached on the book of Amos. And we could blame Pastor Dan a little bit, too. He's not here. <laughs> he didn't either. And if you can remember back with me, that's a long time now, but we actually haven't done a Bible study on the book of Amos either. So there, there you have it. I publicly confessed my sins against Amos. But now maybe you're ready to confess your sins against Amos. How well do you know his message. And have you allowed his message and his book, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to create you and shape you and form you? And if you haven't, why not? <laughs> because this is a word of God, and I, I highly doubt that God gave it to us so that we never preach on it, never teach on it and just put it on the shelf and leave it right there. Amos, I mean, he, we call him a minor prophet, but for us, he's very, very minor, isn't he? He's also very, very misunderstood. You know what people's favorite verse is in the book of Amos? It's right here in our lesson. It's Amos 3, verse 3. I'll read it to you. Here's, here's what people's, Christian's favorite book, uh, verse in this whole book. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? And shockingly, quite shockingly, this verse becomes a wedding verse. <laughs> as, if, as if Amos were saying, look at these two happy people they're walking together, and this, this must mean that they have an agreement. Surely that's what Amos meant. So Amos 3, verse 3, it, it joins Ecclesiastes. It joins Ecclesiastes where it says, A cord of three strands will not be broken. It goes on to say that two people should do things together. And I still remember going to one wedding where they're reading the book of Ecclesiastes out of context like people always do. And, and the lector, the person reading it, got to this verse. It says, if two lie down together, 
And, and, and she read it like there was this winky emoticon over it, like you know what I'm talking about, at this wedding. And if I have to explain that to you, talk to me later. And I was sitting there thinking, what, what a bad interpretation of God's word. It's, it's a sad state of affairs, isn't it? That books like Amos and Ecclesiastes, they're, they're so unknown. And, and when the book is taken off the shelf and it is used, it's abused. So today that's going to change, obviously. Hopefully it's obvious by now. I'm going to preach my first sermon ever on the book of Amos. <laughs> Here we go. And we're also going to start a brand new Bible study right after worship today on the book of Amos. And what is more, there's actually a brand new podcast that you can listen to 20 minutes every week. It's done by my twin brother and I so that you can get to know the message of Amos. You can let it shape you and make you and create you just like God's Word always does. How am I going to convince you to participate in this discipleship process of Amos? Well, I'll tell you this, I'm not going to. But Amos will. Amos will convince you to participate in his discipleship process, and he's only going to need nine questions, because that's what we have in our lesson for today, just nine questions, and at the end of those nine questions, you're going to come to a very important conclusion, Amos isn't minor, he's major, and Amos isn't meant to be put on the shelf, he's meant to be taken off the shelf. And to be read. Listen to these these nine questions with me. We're going to read them together now. Starting at verse 3. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? Does a lion roar in the thicket when he has no prey? Does he growl in his den when he has caught nothing? Does a bird fall into a trap on the ground where no snare has been set? Does a trap spring up from the earth where there is nothing to catch? When a trumpet sounds in a city, do not the people tremble? When disaster comes to a city, has not the Lord caused it? Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. The lion is roared. Who will not fear? The sovereign Lord has spoken. Who can but prophesy? This is the word of the Lord. His first question is a home run question. It has nothing to do with weddings. It's a home run question. He's going to ease you into it. He's going to help you to see, okay, we're going to use rhetorical questions. You know, rhetorical questions to help you come to a very important conclusion. And, you know, if you want to understand rhetorical questions, you have to have a little bit of maturity. You have to have a little bit of life underneath your belt. I, I remember as a kid, I used to sit in church, and, and these pastors would ask rhetorical questions when they were preaching. And as a, as a little kid, you know what I did? 
I shot up my hand. I said, I know that one. I got it. Pastor calling me so I can look smart in front of all of these people. And then my mom would say, put your hand down. <laughs> it's a rhetorical question. See, Amos, he's, he's easing us into it. And so he asks us a question. We all know the answer. He says, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? And we say, Amos, I got it. I know the answer. Of course not. When two people walk together, they walk together because they have an agreement. And so now he's looped you in, hasn't he? He's looped you into his little game. You have to answer the rest of his questions now. And so Amos goes on a little bit of a rampage. And he hits us with six consecutive questions. Building in intensity. Let me read them to you again. Does a lion roar in the thicket? When he has no prey? Does he growl in his den when he has caught nothing? Does a bird fall into a trap on the ground where no snare has been set? Does a trap spring up from the earth where there is nothing to catch? When a trumpet sounds in a city, do not the people tremble? When disaster comes to a city, has not the Lord caused us, caused it? He tricked us, didn't he? He gave us the home run question. We got it. We know why two people walk together. But he tricked us into answering the rest of his questions because I want you to notice something about these questions. With each question, the threat level for you rises. First, there's a threat from nature. We've got lions roaring. And they don't roar for nothing. Then the threat level rises again. Now we've got traps. And by the way, snares. Big biblical word, isn't it? Snares. Ensnared. We've got people setting traps. We've got trumpets going off. And we know why. Because the army's coming. Knocking at the city door. To burn it down. The threat line, as if something could get more violent than the human being. The threat level rises just one more time. And this time it's the Lord. He's angry over sin. Over how we treat each other in this world, in this country. And he's got his target on that sinful city. He tricked us, didn't, didn't he? he? Sly little Amos. He's going to make us start answering these questions. He's going to make us come to this shocking conclusion that who is after us? Not just ferocious animals, not just human beings, but the Lord. And then Amos continues talking about this roaring lion, but before we go and talk about that, I just want to look at these questions as a whole with you for just a minute. At first glance, these seven questions, we're going to call them unlucky questions. We've done seven so far. 
They're unlucky because of the rising threat level. At first glance, it seems like there's no relationship. It's like we're being peppered with questions. But do you see what Amos is doing? He wants you to solve for what's unseen. He wants you to solve for X. Can you go back to the days when you used to know how to do algebra? Remember those days? <laughs> Remember those days where you could, you could see X in an equation? We called it a variable. And you actually knew how to solve for X. You could, you could figure out what was missing in the equation and plug it right in there. That was when we all used to know how to do algebra. That's what Amos is doing. He wants us to see that there is an unseen cause to everything in our lives. Scientists love, love to do this. They, they love to point out the unseen cause and solve for X. One of my favorite things to do on Sunday night is actually watch 60 Minutes, and I sat down and watched 60 Minutes a few weeks ago, and there was a scientist on the show. And he was saying, we've never seen the ninth planet, because, you know, Pluto got demoted. We've never seen the ninth planet. But by faith, I know there is one. Because way out there, at the edge of the galaxy, these rocks and, you know, meteors or whatever they call them, they get bent out of their orbit. There must be some giant ninth planet. And so these astronomers spend all night, every night, searching for what is unseen because they know it's there. Christians do that too. If you really think about it, Christians do that too because we can't see God, but we know He's there. Just look around. Look at the, the majesty of the human body or look at the immensity of the ocean or the beauty of the mountains. You can, you can figure it out that there is an unseen cause to all of this, that God really does exist that's what Amos wants us to understand. And so now he's going to bring it. He shared with us these seven unlucky questions. He's taught us to solve for X, to see the unseen cause. And now he's going to lay it on our hearts. He's going to say this. He says, the lion has roared. And now your mind is working, isn't it? Because now we know that lions don't roar for nothing. When lions roar, they have prey. And we're not talking about the animal kingdom anymore. We're talking about God's kingdom. And now God is the lion, and He is roaring. And I'm going to channel a little bit of Amos right now. He's got you in his sights. How do we know this? There's one final climactic question. The sovereign Lord has spoken. Who can but prophesy? So Amos is there. He's God's messenger. And he's saying, look, the Lord is roaring. And you know what an unseen thing is happening. God is angry over human sin. 
So, now what? <laughs> now what? We, we just finished the whole text. I suppose... I suppose that we could put Amos back on the shelf now. Say, that's enough of that. (laughs) I don't want to know about it. I'm going to stuff my head in the sand. If there's some line roaring out there, I don't want to know about it. I'm going to ignore the trumpet going off. I'm going to ignore this, this Pastor Tim who's somehow channeling Amos here this morning. And just forget about it. And, and you could do that. You, you, you could. If, if you want to, you could tune out the rest of the sermon, skip Bible study for the next ten weeks, don't listen to the podcast, don't. And, and, and just be happy-go-lucky. And you will be happy until, until God unexpectedly shows up and all the fun and games are over. You know, to be perfectly honest, that's what Israel did. They said, Amos, that's nice, but we don't see God. We hear you roaring, but we don't see God roaring. And so they ignored him. And they were happy, very happy, until they were led away 40 years later with hooks in their noses. There is another way. And I suspect you know this already. There is another way. And I'm going to try some questions on you to see if you can get there on your own. Does God send Amos just to condemn us? Does God send Amos just to roar at us and make sure we know how, how condemned we are? Does God, does God send the greater prophet, Jesus, to die just for himself? Does God, at the resurrection of Jesus, proclaim that your sins remain unforgiven? And you already know the answer to these questions. So I'm going to tell you to do something that is counterintuitive. When you hear the lion roaring, run to the lion. (laughs) That seems a little bit strange, doesn't it? Why would I run to the thing that threatens me? But we have to understand this, that what God wants to get rid of in you is your sin. And he's already done that. When you run to the line, it's, it's not safe. But I want you to understand something about Jesus, our lion. He is good. And he is love. And he is forgiving. And he does want you to be with him forever. That's the line of Judah. See, I think you can do two things with the book of Amos, and and I hope you're coming to a conviction now about what you should do. 
You can put them on the shelf, but I'm hoping that these nine questions will actually make you want to do the opposite. That you'll want to take that book off the shelf and be created and formed and shaped as a disciple of Amos and as a disciple of this Word of God. Because one thing that must change, according to Amos, is you. But God will never change. He's the same God that we've been seeing week after week after week here in Epiphany. This lion, this lion of Judah, is the same God who was baptized for you and got down into those dirty waters. This same God that John said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's a lamb and yet he's a lion. So today, starting today, Amos isn't going to be minor anymore. He's not going to be misunderstood. He's going to be major. He's going to be life-changing. Amen.